a recap of last week's episode. I'm Patrick A. Kelly, and this is my journey chronicled by significant incidents in my life that made me who I am today. At age three, I was molested by a family member multiple times, and then later by a friend of theirs. So this episode two, A Tainted Little Soul, is about that molestation, that time that I'm basically taking you guys back to when I was three going on four, when I was molested all the way up till I was almost seven years old. One day my aunt was watching me and she called me into the house while I was playing with my friends outside. When I came inside, she was lying on the bed in her underwear. She said, Papa, come here. Papa is what they used to call me. When I came to her, she removed her underwear and took my little, my little hands and placed it down there. What happened to me as a child, a toddler, had a profound effect on my entire life. And might not I have been molested by one of my favorite aunts and her friend. Would I be the same Patrick A. Kelly, the one that God wants to use to bring others to him? Would my lack of experience or incidents that molded me to be here right now have been enough to tell this story? Would my life be evident and provocatively sufficient to compel the soul and touch others who have experienced similar experiences and incidents to become storytellers and receive strength in their deliverance? To be 100% honest with you, I can't tell you how many times I was like, you know what, I can't do this. I'm not gonna do this. But God was there with me every step of the way. He said, if you are gonna embark on this journey, you have to bear yourself. You have to bear your soul to everybody if you're asking them to do the same. So I did it. You know, it was, it was very emotional for me. I, a lot of those um, memories you know, were from way back and they were very strong memories. Some of them were traumatizing, but I thank God that he blessed me and gave me the opportunity to do this. Welcome to Journey 365. I'm your host, Patrick A. Kelly. Now, before we get started tonight and really dive into episode three, please join me in an open prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here tonight, to be a witness for you, to be a vessel, to be the message uh, so that others can know you, others can know themselves and be delivered by you, dear Father. We thank you so much for that. Lord, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to finally walk in my destiny, to finally understand who I am 
understand where I came from and to also understand the reasons why my life has been so hard, so rough, so fantastic. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Lord, I personally want to thank you for allowing me to be here today. Through all my ups, my downs, my highs and my lows, through all the good, the bad, all the times that, you know, things didn't go my way or I didn't listen to and you chased me down and you punished me and you showed me grace and mercy. Dear Father, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for my life now, for allowing me to experience growth and progression in my life, um, for allowing me to, to have the heart to want others to always prosper and to be the best that they can be, their Father, and to always help others to be the same, their Father. I thank you, their Father, for that. Now, just a recap, a recap of episode two, um, A Tainted Little Soul. Um, as I told you, the reason why I titled uh, episode two, A Tainted Little Soul, uh, was because um, that was a, a moment in my life, three going on four, when I was molested uh, by my aunt. And what happened to me, I didn't understand what was happening to me or why it was happening to me. And I really didn't realize that me being molested and all those things that I'd gone through, it transformed my entire life. And I only figured that out as I think probably my late twenties. Cause I was, I was thinking, I was like, well, why am I this way? I was, I would be angry all the time. And, uh, I was, uh, very stubborn and, uh, mean, um, and vain and selfish and I didn't care, even though I had love in my heart and care in my heart, I could be the nicest of person, but then the nastiest of person too. And I always wondered why relationship to me were a throwaway. Like I easily could just throw people away. I didn't trust people and I didn't give people a lot of chances. Like you messed up with me once, I would basically do away with you. And I just thank God that now, through all the things that I have gone through, all the things that he has helped me with, it has made me a much better person. Realizing that me being molested, it caused me to have trust issues. Uh, it caused me to have trust with women, dealing with women. Um, being in relationship, and it led me to, uh, to explore. You know, I've had relationship with men as well. And I think the reason why I kind of went the other direction was because I had gotten hurt so much uh, from what my aunt had done to me and her friend, and then going through all the trauma that my mother put me through. And then just lastly, that last incident with my girlfriend, I, I, I just said, hey, I want to try something else. I want to try something different. And, 
you know, God was there with me the whole time. A lot of things that I did, I wasn't listening, you know, and I went exploring. I did things. Um, and, you know, as I went along the, the way, God was still there working on me because, you know, I did some stuff till this day. I can be mad enough to say I did some stuff to people where I'm very uh, uh, sorrowful for. Without further ado, here is episode three, a supernatural attack that almost killed me. I'm Patrick A. Kelly, and this is my journey chronicled by significant incidents in my life that made me who I am today. It was a sunny afternoon in Portland, Jamaica, when my best friend B and I began playing around in the graveyard. The graveyard was a plot of land belonging to our town's wealthiest white Jamaican family. It was approximately three to five acres if I had to estimate its size. The land was lush green and decked with pre-built concrete burial liners, flowers, berries, and fruit trees. One particular tree I remember was a Jamaican Malay apple tree. This particular tree stood out to me because those apples were one of my favorites and I used to eat them every time we went to play in the graveyard. Let's uh, give you some history before I get into this story though. My best friend B was the grandson of my godmother, Miss T, and Miss T was related to the wealthy white Jamaican family. She lived in her home on the farthest part of the family's property. B and I were best friends, and of course we met because his grandmother was my godmother. We would play together often, especially when we were out of school. The wealthy white Jamaican family lived in a big white house that seemed like a resort. The house had a vast entranceway gated with white iron fencing that looked like vine plants. One day, I entered the big white house and was amazed at its beauty. It had many glass windows. I was very airy and opened in a massive backyard with many tropical plants and tall banana trees. I remember thinking it was like you couldn't even sit on the furniture it was so lovely. Doubling back to my best friend B and I playing in the family graveyard that day, we just happened to be playing around and throwing rocks down a gully and eating Malay apples. Afterwards, we went to his grandmother's home because it was beginning to get dark. I ended up spending the night as I often do. The following morning, I woke up and could not move. I felt drained. You know that feeling like a witch is riding your back? I yelled out for B and he asked me, Aurora. I told him I could not move. It felt like all the life was draining from my body. We yelled to my godmother and she came rushing in. Wagwan. B told her that I was feeling sick and I could not move. When she couldn't figure out the matter with me, she told B, take him home to Miss Icy. Everyone in our little town knew of my grandmother, Miss Icy and that she was mighty and stayed prayed up. She was, as you would 
call it a holy roller without any negative attributes. She touted a Bible everywhere she went, knew the word of God, walked the walk, talked the talk without ambiguity, and was no one to mess around with. My grandmother was blessed and anointed by God, and this was known by everyone. She was a lovely woman who spoke the queen's language and dared anyone to get indignant around her. Because I was too weak to walk, B carried me home with my arm over his neck, my legs limp and my feet dragging the ground. We didn't live that far from Miss T. We were probably a few miles away. And as B pulled me home, I remembered my feet dragging along and my arms flapping about. I felt dizzy and, and sick. When I finally arrived home, B called out to my grandmother, Miss Isaac, come, something wrong with Patrick. Still weak, with my head cocked to the side, I could see my grandmother rushing out the house, asking B, what wrong with him? And B told her he didn't know. My aunts ran out of the house, hearing the conversation from inside, and helped my grandmother carry me inside. They began helping her put me on the bed, and I could hear my grandmother said, Patrick, I swell up. And then remembered them cutting my favorite orange shirt with the truck on it from the waist to the collar. My grandmother began yelling, we need herbs. She ran and grabbed some herbs from the yard, muddled them with olive oil and gave them to me to drink. I distinctly remembered how nasty it tasted before blacking out. When I came to, over a week had passed. It was a moment to remember though. When I had awakened, my grandmother sent word to everyone. And as I got up from the bed, I peeped my head out the window and it was a sight to be held. The entire town, it seemed, was amassed in our front yard and lined up along the road. Everyone began wishing me well. Some were praying, shouting, and dancing, and others were crying joyfully. This was the first time I had seen many people gathered in one place. The first thing I asked for was some food because I felt hungry. I felt better, but I did not feel like myself. Something was different and I was still weak. As I ate and began playing with my friends, I had to pee, so I walked around to the side of the kitchen and took a quick leak in some of the bushes. As I stood there by myself, my head began to rise. Chill bumps began forming on my arms and I felt strange. It was like someone was there with me, but I could not see them. That evening, we were all in the house after everyone had left and my grandmother began telling me about what had happened to me. She said that while I was out, she had a dream and a duppy, a spirit, came to her and told her that it would kill me because when B and I were playing around in the graveyard and throwing rocks, I hit the duppy with a rock. My grandmother said the same duppy that came to her was wretched and that she had to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. My grandmother said that the duppy fought her but she battled the spirit and prayed profusely to God 
to spare my life. Then, and in the past, Duppies always seemed to be attracted to our family and us kids. They would follow us and try to attack us. I remember one day we were, we were going to town, Kingston, because my sister Donna was sick. It was dark. And as we drove in the car, we kept hearing loud banging noises on the side of the car and on the roof. And my sister and I were scared. And we kept asking our grandma, what was making those noises? My grandmother told us it was a duppy trying to attack us. My grandmother kept reciting scriptures all the way to town. I survived the attack by God's grace and mercy, but I was forever changed. As the week went on, I still felt like someone, something was watching me. I told my grandmother she kept feeding me this herb with olive oil and held me close. A couple of days later, one of our neighbor's horses, this pretty white horse, had died. The horse fell from a mountainous hill on the road near where my grandparents' home was and died. It was dusk during a lightning storm that week, and I felt much better. I had just left my godmother's house to head for home. B didn't walk me home that evening. I don't remember why, but I remember walking home alone. It was about to begin storming and I needed to get home. As I got halfway to my grandparents' house, the wind started blowing pretty hard and the thunder was clapping very loudly, but there was no rain. Lightning was striking, seeming just before me, and I became scared, so I started running fast. As I drew closer to my grandparents' home, it seemed like the lightning began to lit up the sky so furiously that it seemed like dawn or early morning. I remember being so scared I started praying, asking God to get me home safely. When I looked up at that same hill where the pretty white horse had fallen, I saw the horse praying. Its two front legs were pointed high as it stood on its hind leg. The horse's body was glowing like neon white. When I realized what I was looking at, I began running even faster. And as I got to the top of my grandparents' yard, a streak of lightning seemed like it came down directly in front of me, so close that the hair on my body raised and I felt like I was levitating. When what seemed like my foot had hit the ground again, I took off like a bat out of hell. I ran down my grandparents' entranceway, a route that zigzagged down the gully. The house wasn't lit up when I reached the bottom of the entranceway. It was dark, and I saw what seemed to be an image of a white man with long hair wearing a long white gown peeping from the back of the house and it stood there just staring at me. The idea of the man had that neon glow like that dead pretty white horse. I immediately felt highly fearful. I made a dash to the front door and began banging and screaming, let me in, let me in, let me in. Being out of breath and panicking, I began telling my grandmother what I had seen and what had happened to me, and she began comforting me. 
I don't recall what she said to calm me down, but it worked. After that day, I started seeing more duppies. I would also be chilled with my head rising most when alone. That feeling stayed with me until I came to the States. I remember when my sister, aunt and I were on Air Jamaica flight to the States. We landed in Miami before taking a connecting Delta flight to Maryland and feeling my connection with what seemed to be that same duppy trying to kill me dissipating the further I got away from the island. As I got older, the chill subsided, but my head would still rise when I felt spirits around me. The last time I saw a duppy was in the late summer of 2009. One evening, I had just gotten home from work, and when I opened my front door of the house and walked up the stairs towards my bedroom, there was a spirit standing against the wall next to my bedroom door. I immediately felt that fear I had in Jamaica. I asked it what it was doing in my house, and I told it to get out of my house without paying any attention to its physical attributes. I flung it out with my mind. At least that's what it felt like. I could have been in a dream state, but I swear I felt that spirit passing me as it left through the front door, which was closed. A loud bang was at one of my bedroom windows as I opened my bedroom door. I ran to the window and opened the blinds to see what had made that loud bang. As I looked out the window, the evening was clear and still, and the neighborhood was calm. It had just begun getting dark, and it was peaceful and quiet. I immediately called my sister Donna and told her what had happened. Later in the year, I visited Miami and went to look for one of my Cuban friends, only to find out he had gotten killed in a car accident. As I recall the image of the spirit in my house, it seemed like it was my friend who had died just months ago. As I recall the image of the spirit in my house, it seemed like it was my friend who died just months before. My sister Donna and I would always have these conversations about my grandmother's ability and how we had the strangest childhood living in Jamaica. As to my life from then on, I had powers or abilities in some ways. Certain people would come around me and I could see them, really see them even when they would try to hide who they were. It was like their aura or a light emanating from them and I felt connected to them. I could tell them about themselves and speak to them about their life's path. I have seen incidents of the future and even my own funeral procession and when my mother would die. I've had premonitions from God as early as eight years old and even more out-of-body experiences when I became extremely sick because of a stomach issue that became very significant. I almost died four times, twice by water, once by a semi-truck, and lastly, um, when I got sick really bad. It was a peculiar situation to the semi-truck though. It was the fall of 2014 and I was driving to DC 
to meet my family at this spot for uh, a soon-to-be cousin, Steve. When I missed my exit and was about to jump in front of a semi to make that exit, just as I thought of jumping in front of the semi, in those seconds, an image flashed before my eyes of the semi hitting me and causing my death. Needless to say, I took the next exit. I have never told anyone about this particular incident until now. I have never been or seemed regular, lived regularly, had a normal or what would be an ordinary life. My life has always been tumultuous. Whenever my life got complicated, there was a significant message or situation where I had to help others. It felt like on-the-job training. It has been the vein of my existence, and I was always disparaged by those particular moments because I didn't understand why these things kept happening to me. But who knew that it was God preparing me every step of the way? Some people may have a life filled with come by your moments, the ease of living and just floating by the seat of their pants, but not me. My life has been a series of dramatic and fantastical movie sequences bundled with supernatural and spiritual events. What happened to me may have happened to you or me something even worse. And because it frightens you, you're afraid of it, or you don't want to deal with it, you bury it far in the back of your mind. I just want to let you know that it's okay. It's okay to confront your past, and it's okay to confront those things that have caused damage to you. Tell your story. Tell your story like I'm telling my story and become delivered. Tell your story and become delivered through God. This is Patrick A. Kelly for Journey 365. I want to thank you all so much for joining me this evening um, because you could be doing so many other things. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Have a good night. Join us next week for episode four, titled 706, which is the house number where we all grew up and where our parents tortured us. So that will be episode four. So make sure you come back, okay? See you guys soon. Patrick A. Kelly owns the copyright in and to all content in and transcripts of At Journey 365 podcast, with all rights reserved, as well as his right to publicity. You are welcome to share the transcript up to a maximum of 400 words in media articles such as the AJC and other notable media platforms, on your personal website, in a non-commercial article or blog post, and or on a personal social media account for non-commercial purposes, provided that you include an attribution to At Journey 365 podcast and link back to the At Journey 365 podcast URLs. Media outlets with advertising models are permitted to use excerpts from the transcript per the above. No one is authorized to copy any portion of the podcast content or use Patrick A. Kelly's name, image, or likeness for any commercial purpose or use, including without limitation, inclusion in any books, ebooks, books, 
summaries or synopsis, streaming media, TV, film, or on a commercial website or social media site, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, TikTok, X, etc., that offers or promotes you or another products or services. For the sake of clarity, media outlets are permitted to use photos of Patrick A. Kelly from the At Journey 365 podcast or licensed photos of Patrick A. Kelly from commercial image platforms. Content shared from Tim.blog.